Chapter Ten of the Annals of Anne by Kate Trimble Sharper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It ain't any easy matter to keep a diary with a baby in the house, especially if he's at the watchable age, although he's such a darling one that you don't begrudge him the trouble he makes. Before you more than get a sentence down, you have to drop everything and run and jerk the palm leaf fan out of his hands which he takes great pleasure in ramming the handle of down his throat then he eats great handfuls of the virginia creeper leaves if you leave him on the porch for a minute by himself and at times he won't be satisfied with anything on earth unless you turn up the mattress and let him beat on the bed springs which i consider a smart idea and think cousin eunice ought to write out and send to a magazine under the head of hints for tired mothers but i say it again there don't any of us begrudge him these many little ways although it's hard to be literary with them for when he smiles and patty-cakes and says ah ah you don't care if you never write another line mother made cousin eunice turn over the raising of him to her the very day she got here for everybody knows my diary how a lady that's ever raised a baby feels toward a lady that's just owned one a few months no flannel on this precious child mother almost screamed the minute we got him off the train and started to drive home why it's positively flying in the face of providence to leave his band off this early and mother looked at cousin eunice like she had done it a purpose oh aunt mary please don't poor cousin eunice said like she was about to cry for the last eleven months there has been scarcely a thing discussed in my presence but belly bands there weren't any men around it seems if a woman ever has one baby her thoughts never travel away from flannel bands afterward but pneumonia cholera infantum teething mother kept on hugging waterloo close that's what twenty-three of my neighbors tell me cousin eunice answered then nineteen others say it's cruel to keep him all swathed up in this hot weather while eleven said to leave it off until his second summer and fifteen said for me to what does dr gordon say mother asked to change the subject off of the neighbors he said damn those old women cousin eunice told her which made her jump although it looks like she's lived with father long enough not to right after dinner they started up the talk again should waterloo be banded or disbanded they hadn't talked long when mammy lou came into the room holding something under her apron she looked kinder mad and dignified at mother and cousin eunice because they hadn't asked her for her say-so about bands if it's entirely respectable for me to speak before i'm spoke to she commenced her voice very proud and haughty i'd like for you all to pay me some mind there's two subjects i'm well qualified to speak about and one is babies ain't i done raised a bushel basket full of little niggers let alone that one beautiful little white angel that's the peartest and sweetest of any in the state which made me feel very much embarrassed with modestness we all know that you've made a good job of anne cousin eunice said very pleasantly just to pacify her what would you suggest about little rufus these mammy lou said drawing her hand out from her apron like a man on the stage dressed in velvet does his sword and we saw a string of speckled beans job's tears mammy told the company there ain't no need to worry about bands when you got these 
there never has been a child that cut teeth hard from adam on down if his ma put a string of these around his neck cousin eunice was beginning to say something nice when father spoke up and asked mammy who it was that put them around adam's neck which made her mad poke all the fun you want to she said but the time will come that y'all'll be thankful to me for saving these for mr rufie's baby or i'm a blue gum nigger lots of times i take waterloo over to make jean a visit which is easy on everybody for the folks over there love babies so that they relieve me of his weight the minute i get there and leave me and jean free to do whatever we want to she is teaching me what she calls artistic handwriting now using an actress's signature for a copy it consists of some very large letters and some very small ones like the charts in an eye doctor's office that he uses to see if you're old enough to wear spectacles cousin eunice has time now with so many folks to help tend to waterloo to slip off every morning and go to a quiet place down in the yard with her paper and pencil and compose on a book she's trying to write before she was ever married she wanted to write a book and if you get that idea into your head even marrying won't knock it out cousin eunice says i'm such a kindred spirit that i don't bother her when i go along too but she has a dreadful time at her own house trying to write she don't more than get her soul full of beautiful thoughts about tall pale men and long-stemmed roses and other things like that before a neighbor drops in and talks for three hours about the lady around the corner's husband staying out so late at night and what her servants used to scrub the kitchen sink i told her i knew one lady that hated so for folks to drop in that she unscrewed the front doorbell so she couldn't hear them ring but she got paid back for it next day by missing the visit of a rich relation rufi and cousin eunice may live to be thankful for the string of job's tears but i reckon tonight miss merle and mr st john wished that job never shed a tear in the shape of a bean for they were what a grown person would call the indirect cause of a quarrel between them it's queer that such a little thing as waterloo should be picked out by fate to break up a loving couple but he did although i ain't saying that it was altogether his fault this afternoon i took him over to jean's and we were having a lovely time on their front porch enjoying stories of her former sweethearts and a bottle of stuffed olives she told me about one she had last winter that she was deeply attached to she would see him at a big library in the city where she loves to read every afternoon she saw him there one time and got to admiring him so much that she would go up there every afternoon at the time she knew he would be there and get a book and sit opposite him making like she was reading but really feasting her eyes on his lovely hair and scholarly looking fingernails i never got acquainted with him so never learned his name she told me jabbing her hat pin deep down into the olive bottle like little jack horner but he was always reading about the origin of the arian family so i'm sure he was a young mr arian i told her i certainly had heard the arian family spoken of i couldn't remember where but she said oh yes she knew it was a swell family and that i must have read about it in the pink sheet of the sunday paper then she said she had a souvenir of him and as i'm crazy about souvenirs i begged her to go and get it hoping very much that it was a miniature on ivory set in diamonds what is it i kept asking her as she was trying to get her legs untangled out of her petticoats to get up and go after it we were sitting flat down on the floor which sometimes tangles your heels dreadfully 
finally she got up tearing a piece of trimming out which she did up in a little ball and threw away so her mother would lay it on the washerwoman when she saw the tear ashes she told me kinder whispery after she had reached the front door for she was afraid somebody would hear but it gave me a terrible feeling and i wondered how she got them away from his relations and whether she had to go to the graveyard in the middle of the night to do it or not i comforted myself with the thought that they would be in a prettily ornamented urn even if they were ashes for i had read about urns in roman history but shucks when she got back it wasn't a thing but a pink chewing-gum wrapper full of cigar ashes that he had thrown away one day right in front of her as they were going up the steps to the library before i had time to tell her how disappointed i was there came a picture-taking man up the front walk and asked us to let him take waterloo's picture for some postcards if you were pleased you could buy them and if you weren't you didn't have to but he knew of course there wouldn't any lady be hard-hearted enough not to buy a picture of her own baby nothing could have delighted us more unless the man had said take our pictures and jean remarked that waterloo ought to be fixed up funny to correspond with the string of beads around his neck she ran and got a pair of overalls that belonged to the lady she boards with's little boy and we stuffed waterloo in he looked too cute for anything and we was just settling him down good for the picture when jean spoke up again and said oh wasn't it a pity that he didn't have any hair on his head as hair showed up so well in a picture i told her it was aristocratic not to have hair when you're a baby on your head she said shucks how could anything connected with a baby be aristocratic this made me mad and i told her maybe she didn't know what it was to be aristocratic she said she did too it was aristocratic to have a wide front porch to your house and to eat sweetbreads when you were dining in a hotel i was thinking up something else to say when the picture-taking man said hurry up there is a great deal more to this but it is so late that i'm going to leave the rest for tomorrow night anyhow maybe my grandchildren will be more interested to go on and read for magazine writers always chop their stories off at the most particular spot when they're going to be continued just where you're holding your breath so as to make you buy the next number of the magazine well in just a minute after we were talking about the hair jean said she knew the very thing her aunt merle was up on the far back porch drying her hair that she had just finished washing and had left her rat laying on the bureau she had seen it there when she went to get the ashes of mr arion she said it was a lovely rat which cost five dollars all covered with long brown hair and she said it was just the thing to set off waterloo's bald head fine so she ran and got it and we fixed it on he looked exactly like a south sea islander which you see in the sideshow of an exposition by paying twenty-five cents extra an exposition is a large place which makes your feet nearly kill you but the picture man said he looked mighty cute and snapped him in several splendid positions now if mr st john had just stayed where he belonged this would be the end of the story and i could go on to bed tonight without having to sit up by myself writing till the clock strikes eleven which is a lonesome hour when everybody else is in bed but mr st john didn't stay away and as all the bad things that happen are laid on fate i reckon she was the one that put it into his head to walk up those front steps and on to that porch before we noticed him 
for we were trying our best to get waterloo back into citizens clothes he stopped to see what it was we were scrambling over and when he saw that it was alive he threw up his nice white hands and remarked heavens which is the elegant thing to say when you're surprised although father always says jump in jerusalem what is the thing he asked after he had looked again jean told him why it was just the lady over at our house's little baby dressed up then he asked what that horrible woolly growth on his head was which tickled jean mightily then just for the fun of seeing what he would say when he was very much surprised she jerked it off and held it up like the executioner did mary queen of scots head which gives me a crinkly pain up and down my back even to read about the rat was just pinned together and set up on waterloo's little noggin so jean jerked it off and explained to mr st john that it was her aunt merle's rat i always knew it wasn't any good idea to talk about such things before a man that was a person's lover but i thought jean had had more experience in such things than i had and it wasn't my place to interrupt her i am sure mr st john felt like saying jump in jerusalem when jean told him that the woolly growth was the rat of his beloved if i was writing a novel i'd say that he recoiled with horror that is he jumped back quickly like he didn't want it to bite him and sat down imagine he kept saying to himself like he was dazed imagine a man touching the thing kissing the thing i thought of course he was talking about waterloo and was ready to speak up and say i thank you mr st john my little cousin's not to be called a thing but jean spoke first what would you want to kiss this for she asked him tain't any harm to kiss in the mouth after you're engaged is it we might have been standing there asking him such questions as that till daylight this morning for all the answers we got out of him but while he sat looking at us and we were trying to squirm waterloo's little fat legs out of the overalls and him kicking and crying miss merle walked out on the porch she saw mr st john first as you would naturally expect an engaged girl to do and started toward him but just then she saw us and stopped why what on earth are you children doing with my rat down here she asked not looking a bit ashamed we told her what we had been doing with it and she just laughed and said well it was too hot to wear the thing on such a day anyway although she had looked for it high and low all the time we were talking mr st john looked at her in the most amazed way like he expected to see her appear looking like a mexican dog but was greatly surprised to see her with such a nice lot of homemade hair if he had had any sense he would admire her all the more for not telling a story about that rat for i've seen a thousand young ladies in my life that wouldn't have owned up to it for a hundred dollars but would have made their little niece out a story and then boxed her ears in private i hope when i get grown i won't be a liarable young lady although it does seem like they're twice as quick to get married as an honest one he didn't act with good sense though for they soon got to talking and we could hear what they said although we were out of sight for they were high-toned remarks he said he hated shams and she said well that wasn't any sham for every blousy-headed girl wears them nowadays and everybody knows it even the poets and novel writers that always make their heroines so fuzzy-headed then she called him a prig and he said something back at her and she gave him back the ring 
which was a brave thing to do it being a grand diamond one with mitzbeth marked in it of course the next thing that happens after an engagement is broken is for it to get mended again all day we have hung around miss merle to see just when she gets the ring back again but up to late hour to-night as the newspapers say about the election returns there was nothing doing oh it does seem a pity that they would let the news go down to their children or be put on their tombstones that their lives were blighted on account of a rat i've neglected you my diary for the last few days because my mind has been on other things it rained all the next day after i wrote last and i couldn't go over to jean's which put me out greatly i finally thought about sending a note by lares and panades and paid them in chicken livers me being so uneasy in my mind that i didn't have any appetite for them and knowing that they loved them enough to fight over them any time i told jean in the note to fix some kind of signal like paul revere to let me know the minute the ring got back to miss merle for i was deeply worried me and waterloo and jean being to blame for it then too it is dangerous for an engagement ring to stay returned too long for it might get given to another girl jean was delighted with my note and said she would certainly hang a lantern in the garret only she never could undo the chimney of a lantern to light it and never saw a lady person that could but it was a romantic idea so she thought hanging a white towel in the window that faces our house for a signal would do very well and i would know by that if it kept on raining and i couldn't get over there well i was so interested that i hardly moved from that side of the house all day until it got so dark that i couldn't see the house much less a towel so i went sorrowfully to bed the next morning i was delighted to see that i was going to get rewarded for my watching for long before breakfast i discovered a white thing and it was waving from mr st john's window which made it all the surer in my mind although it was cakes and maple syrup i didn't waste much time over breakfast but grabbed my hat and started for jeans miss merle was on the front porch and i noticed mr st john just inside the hall looking like he would like to come out but was waiting for her to give him leave she looked up at me quick why anne she said what are you in such a big hurry about i've often noticed my diary that when people are in a hurry and can't think of anything else to tell they tell the truth although they don't intend to it was that way with me oh i'm so glad you and mr st john have made up i told her fanning hard with my hat for i was all out of breath she looked very strange and asked me what so i told her over again just then mr st john came out and asked who was that talking about him behind his back he looked pitiful although he tried to look pleasant too jean heard me talking and came running down the stairs just in time to hear me telling it over again to miss merle why there ain't a sign of a towel hanging out the window she told me looking very much surprised and me greatly mortified you must have dreamed it miss merle asked her then what she was talking about and it was their turn to look surprised when she told them i told them i had felt awfully bad about the rat because me and waterloo was partly responsible and they kinder smiled but i couldn't let them think that i made up the towel story so i told them if they would come around on the side that faces our house i'd show them mr st john and miss merle looked at each other very peculiar and he said 
it's a shame to disappoint the children which she didn't make any answer to but she looked tolerable agreeable then i begged them to come on around to mr st john's window and i could show them i wasn't any story my window he said looking surprised then his face turned red why it must have been my uh, shirt i hung there last night to dry after i was out in that shower we couldn't help from laughing all of us but he laughs like the corners of his mouth ain't used to it that is one bad thing about a dignified man they're always afraid to let their mouth muscles stretch miss merle caught me and jean by the hand with a smile and said let's go and see what that signal looked like that brought ann over in such a hurry a shirt is a highly proper thing to discuss since thomas hood she said as we started down the steps pray don't he said the corners of his mouth wrinkling again but his face just covered with red i'll be the happiest man on earth merle if you'll just forgive me for my ascendancy but do come back for it's an undershirt end of chapter 10 read by c j ploke 